You're listening to Pastor Scott and Ivan at the Church of the Redeemed. Father, we ask that you give us ears to hear and eyes to see, and that seeds would be sown on fertile ground. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I believe with all my heart this church has broken through a gate, we're bri- but I believe we've got more to go. We're, right now we're transforming. My goal through this next series that we're doing is to break away from the old and break into the new. It is time to live in a new experience as a church. It's time to move in a new season, new direction. You know, you can't go in the summer still living in the winter. I mean, how ridiculous would you look going outside in 90 degree weather or 115 degree weather wearing your snow boots and, and coat? You know, we can't. We've got to move and adjust with the seasons. So it's time to shed the old and walk in the new. And I believe with all my heart, if, if, we, if you guys will dedicate to being here for this series, I know sometimes we get busy with our lives. I'll tell you this with a, with a bold heart and a humble heart, is we cannot grow a church if the Christians in the church don't think church is priority. No non-believer is going to go to church and believe it's important if nobody else does. And so I need you guys, if you can, to dedicate to this series because I believe this series will transform our church. Uh, uh, so I'm asking you if you can just adjust your schedules to be here for four weeks in a row, you will see transformation take place in yourselves and the church. The walls are going to break through. We're going to expand. We're going to um, save some souls, and it's going to be an awesome experience. And, and, uh, and this month of August, we're going to set the date at this next staff meeting, but we're going to baptize four new people. You guys realize that's almost 20 people in nine months that we've baptized. We're doing it. It's expanding. Scripture is fulfilling. But what it takes is now we've got to transform and get into the new season that we're in. Amen? And so I believe it's going to happen. So I need you guys to please just dedicate to me the next four weeks to say, you know, I'll be there four weeks in a row to hear what God's going to do, but also receive it and act it out because I believe it's important. Amen? So today we are in Luke, um, Luke 9. Well, actually, uh, hold on. I've got to get myself together here. We're somewhere in the Bible. Between Genesis and Revelation, that's where we are. We're in Luke 9, verse 10, and we've been discussing um, just some awesome stuff with Jesus Christ. And, and I believe with all my heart, I know it sounds weird, but we've been discussing Jesus for nine months. And we're going on nine months being here. So nine months we've been discussing Jesus and even a prophet, Bobby Jean, came in here and spoke a prophetic word without knowing what we're talking about. That God said specifically through her that he is pleased that we've been edifying his son. And, I mean, I just love that. If you call yourself a church, you've got to be talking about Jesus. And uh, so we've been doing that. So we're in verse 10, and this is where we're going to spend some time here, folks, because I believe if we will grasp the scripture in verse nine, uh, or chapter 9, verse 10, this is what will transform our church. If, and this is what will transform you. So we're going to begin right with verse 1 and go into it. But it says, and the apostles, now you've got to understand, let me, let me get this too. Jesus just got done. This is important to understand. Jesus got done sending his 12 interns out into the wilderness, out in the villages. He said, go out and preach the kingdom, heal the sick, cast out demons. I give all authority to you. All authority that I have in heaven and earth is now upon you. Go out and transform the world. And I believe with all my heart, what Shannon Dell said is right. We are people. You've got to think about the authority that Jesus had. Jesus is the same God that created the heavens and the earth. He created everything. We just sent off as America, we just sent off a satellite dish to go um, to, to Jupiter and explore Jupiter for years. And the thing is, is God created that planet. You know, the same Jesus that we're talking about that had authority created that planet. And then God created every universe, every star you can see and cannot see, He created. And then He created perfect Adam and Eve. He created the very vessel, or the very Lucifer that caused the fall of man and sin to enter the creation. Lucifer is the one that brought sin into creation. God created that person. And the guy created, you know, the, every, the flood that flooded the whole planet except for one righteous family to repopulate the planet from sin. The same authority that Jesus had is the same God that, that I mean, came down as Jesus Christ himself to bring redemption to the lost people that brought sin the same authority that jesus had is the same one that resurrected him from the dead after three days of burial he's the same one that went into to the pit of hell and took the the keys back from satan so we can live freedom that we sang about today that same authority that jesus had is the one that's going to come back on a white horse and when it's all said and done and say it's finished done that authority is what he gave those 12 disciples and he was saying to you all authority i have i'm giving to you 
And what I think is funny is what Shamadel said is that we'll believe God created all those things and gave that authority to disciples, but we don't trust God to transform this church. But I believe with all my heart, if you guys will allow him to transform you with that same authority, that's what's going to transform this church. We have a decision to make in the next four weeks if we're going to stay 50, 60, 70 people or if we're going to explode beyond. That's what we've got to decide. But it's not me and Lori to decide. We've already decided. We're buckled up, ready to go. It's up to us in the seats to take that authority and run with it. So today, we're talking about these disciples went out and they just came back from that journey. And it says in verse 10, And the apostles, when they had returned, told him all that they had done. Then he took them and went aside privately into a deserted place belonging to the city called Bethsaida. Blah. I think these guys were speaking in tongues when they wrote some of the scriptures down. But when the multitudes knew it, they followed him. And he received them and followed him. And he received them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who had need of healing. When the day began to wear away, the twelve came and said to him, Send the multitude away that they may go into the surrounding towns and country and lodge and get provisions, for we are in a deserted place. They must have been Kit Carson. We are in a deserted place here, but he, he said to them, You give them something to eat. And they said, We have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we go and buy food for all these people, for there were about 5,000 men. Then he said to his disciples, Make them sit down in groups of 50. And they took and did so, and made them all sit down. Then he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. So they all ate and were filled, and twelve baskets of the leftover fragments were taken up by them. There was even leftovers. If the church could grasp and get a hold of this scripture, it would transform the church. This scripture is key to the growth and survival of church in America, especially rural America. And it's amazing to me because when you study the scripture, you actually find out where the food came from. When you read all the gospels and put it all together, it's kind of cool. But you got to understand is the food came from a little boy's lunchbox. Two loaves and five fish, or two, did I read the scripture? Five fish, two loaves. How much was in the lunchbox, honey? Tell me. From there to here, I forgot. <laughs> you can tell we have four kids. We're sleep deprived. Yeah, five loaves, two fish. I was right the first time. <laughs> but the point being is, imagine the disciples go to the multitude and says, hey, we need some food if you're hungry. And a little boy comes up with a lunchbox with those two fish and five loaves. I'm like, well, who packed that lunchbox? That's pretty disgusting. Can you imagine going to lunchtime at school with that and I'll trade? Your fish still has eyes in it. No. I mean, it wasn't fish sticks, but it works. And he's this, and, and, but the point is, is Jesus says, you give them something to eat. I love that because he's like, Master, send them away. He says, no, you feed them. You feed them. And that kind of goes with church. Church's mentality is, Lord, do this, Lord, do this, Lord, do this. And he's up there saying, no, you do it. You do it. Stop coming to me crying all the time. I mean, imagine if we kept dressing Isaiah every single day, he would never get to the point where he can dress himself. We say, no, you do it. And sometimes you've got to wrestle that kid to the ground to make sure you dress yourself. You're not going outside in your underwear. Because he would. The other day I say, Isaiah, you get dressed wherever you want. He got his underwear on, he puts his snow boots on. Ready to go. I'm like, well, that didn't work. But the guy does the same thing. He says, you do it. And sometimes he's got to wrestle us to the ground to be able to do what we know what we should be doing, but we need to do it. So he says to the disciples, you feed them. So then disciples go and go, okay, we need some food. Anybody got any food? And a little boy says, I got this, I'll give it. That little boy didn't know that there's going to multiply and feed 5,000 people. He says, well, this is what I got, I'll share it. I'll do with it what I can. And it's amazing to me, the faith of a child. Reminds me of scripture where it says, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven unless you enter it with faith like a child. We get older, we get logical, we get the burdens of life, and we lose our minds. Really, we get to the point where we're like, this scripture can't work, it can't be. And God say, no, you do it. I can't do it. You do it. No, you do it. It's a tug of war with God. You do it. No, you do it. No, you do it. But it's amazing to me how churches get so hauled up in prayer meetings, praying and praying and praying for God to bring the multitude. Let me explain something. We could pray, like this morning I prayed, okay, God, we're calling to the north, south, east, west, bring the people. And he's up there saying, go get the people. 
Go get him. I'll tell you this much. If you take a step forward, like Shannon says, he'll take a step forward. It's amazing to me. When God told us in Michigan, we had like seven teenagers. Seven. Larry and Carla got a great thing going because with one family, they got more than that. We had seven kids that were homeschoolers. Try to grow a youth ministry based on homeschoolers. Not against homeschooling by any means. <laughs> but try to grow that. Hey, go witness to your friends. They're my brothers and sisters. <laughs> you know what I mean? So the Lord said, go. He, he, you know, I said, okay, Lord, we need more teens. He says, go get them. So we went around and prayed around the schools. And I remember the first time we did it was a hailstorm. Not hail like here where there's golf balls from, falling from the sky. It's more like a salt shaker, you know. But they're still falling. It's unpleasant. It's wet. It's icy. And we did it. Me and the, the teenagers I had, we just marched around the school. We didn't witness to one person. We just marched around the school and marched around the school. Do I know how I know we didn't witness to anybody? Because when a teacher came out to ask what we're doing, they all ran and left, left me high and dry. <laughs> Teacher's like, what are you doing? They're like, Phew. I'm like, I look over there behind a tree. <laughs> I preach on boldness after that, you cowards. <laughs> but the funny thing is, is that first time praying around the school, that next week we had two minivans pull up with teenagers flooding out and filled our youth ministry. We move, God moves. We don't know what we accomplished at, Shinewell, at the Cheyenne Wells Fair except for one thing. We did what God told us to do, and he will honor that. But he is saying, you do it. We've got to stop praying for God to do stuff, and he says, you do it. So he says, you feed them. The food, the food came from a little boy's lunchbox. God took a willing vessel and fed 5,000 people. Churches are filled with unwilling vessels. We're willing to pray. We're willing to stay inside the church. But when it comes to putting the rubber to the road, we back off. Imagine that. The little boy's like, hey, I got some food, and I'm sure out of 5,000 people, he's not the only one that brought a lunchbox. But he was the only one that was willing to say, I'll share it. And God's looking for some willing vessels to say, you know what? I'll share it. This is what I got. Let's do it. And some of us, all we got is two hours a week where we can sit in the nursery with some babies. But you know what? That will grow our church. Maybe some of us, all we got is the willingness to go sit in a 100-degree day playing games with kids but that will grow our church. People are looking for a church that loves kids. People are looking for a church that has a vision. And in rural America, as, as weird as it is because you can see forever, but it is hard to find somebody with a vision. But, it's, but all we got is to take a little bit of vision and say, this is what we got, God. Let's do something. And he'll do it through us. Then God took, a little, God took all a person had and made more. He made more from it. Do you realize that when you give 10% of your offerings, you're given what you have, and He will explode that? If Scripture says, I'll give more than enough for all good works. If our church is living in Scriptures, it will never go dry in our bank account. No matter how scared we get, as long as we're being faithful, boosh, boosh, He'll explode it. Lord God, we're growing, outgrowing our building. We need a new building. That scares people beyond belief. Ministries, Fall apart at that point. But I'll tell you this much, God will bring it. He'll take what we have and He'll expand it. He'll take your little gift and He'll explode it. Maybe your gift, oh, I can, I can, you know, I can talk to a couple kids, but I can't speak in front of multitudes. God will take that little gift and He'll expand it. You know, oh, Lord, I can vacuum the floor. Well, He'll take that and He'll expand it. I believe all my heart, God is looking for someone that will get down on this floor and take the wax off the floor. I guarantee it. He's looking for it because he's told me. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But he's looking for someone that will say, you know what? I love God enough. I'll get down here and I'll scrub this floor because this is the house of God. People are going to show up to this church. I want them to see excellence of Christ. And he'll take that one person and give them a church to pastor. He'll take that little gift and he'll explode it. As a matter of fact, when I had teens come to me and say I want to be in ministry, I started them with cleaning toilets and setting up chairs. Didn't want to do that. There's nothing to work with. God is looking for someone to clean toilets for the kingdom, and he'll expand it. So God took all those things, and then God fed the needy. So what does God want from us? You ready? This is what God wants from us, because we need to ask that, and it's in uh, Job 29, verse 11. 
But he's looking for this, because what we're doing right now is we are a church. I'll tell you right now, we're a church that's peaked out. We're here, and God wants to take us here, and we're going to get there, but only by us deciding to share our fish and loaves. Amen? He's looking for us to feed the needy. But we need to be a church right now that is open. So open your heart. Say, God, what do you want from us? Because if you're here just sitting in the seats to get a good word from God, you're in the wrong place because we are taking what we have, what God has given us, the group that God has given us. We're going to take you and make you leaders, and we're going to explode this kingdom if you're ready for it, if you're ready for it. Does that make sense? I don't believe it's coincidence you're here. If you're here, it is because God wants you to be because you're all leaders, even the teenagers in the room and the children in the nursery. So what does God want from us? It says this in Job 11. It says, When the ear heard, then it blessed me. And when the eye saw, then it approved me. Because I delivered the poor who cried out, the fatherless and the one who had no helper. The blessing of a perishing man came upon me. And I caused the widow's heart to sing for joy. I put on righteousness and it clothed me. My justice was like a robe and a turban. I, my eyes to the blind. And I, or I was eyes to the blind, and I was feet to the lame. I was father to the poor, and I searched out the case that I did not know. I broke the fangs of the wicked, and I plucked the victims from his teeth. That's a pretty powerful scripture when you think about it. What is God's heart? It is the poor. It is the poor. We need to be a church that is willing to minister to everybody. Our mission statement in Michigan was awesome because it says blessing the children, blessing the uh, rich. No, blessing the children. What was it? It was so awesome, I put it out of my mind. If I couldn't have it here, I put it out of my mind. I couldn't use it. No, it was bless the children, bless the poor, bless the saints. But also there was nowhere there for rich. They need blessings too. Amen. But the point being is that was a great mission statement because poor was the primary people. This church revival center says we're going after the poor, we're going to feed them. But a matter of fact, our church grew from the food bank alone. That's what we grew from. You came in our church, you saw people with, that couldn't afford pants, they couldn't afford to send their kids anywhere. They were poor because they grew up in Michigan with no economy. But that was the heart. That's the heart of God. God says it right there in the scripture. His heart is the poor. Feed them. Give them food. Set up, a, set up a, 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 a closet at our church where people can come and get clothes when they can't afford it. Things like that. You could have that gift. Someone says, you know what? I want to minister to the poor. Well, you know what? Build a closet in here. Put some clothes on the shelves. Get, get, help us get the food bank going. And people can come here to get their needs met and find Jesus Christ in the process. God's heart is the fatherless. I believe with all my heart that, that, that Satan is out there to destroy the priest of the house. Because when you're fatherless, you don't have that priest. And Jesus wanted to be that priest. We can be that priest. We can have teenagers come here that need a father figure. And we as the men of this church can be that father figure through the love of Jesus Christ. There is no better father than the God of heaven and earth. And when he loves the people, but we can't just say, Oh Lord, let me pray for this teenager and I pray that you will be a father to him. And then he's up there saying, you be a father to him. The same spirit that was in Jesus lives in us. We be the father to those figures. The widowed. Do you guys realize the widowed is all over Scripture? God had a big heart for the widowed. A person that was married and had a priest of the house and, and had that, that covering, and then they lose it? Because you don't really find in here where, where it talks a whole lot about the men whose wives died. But when a husband dies, that covering of that house is no longer there. And God had a heart saying, let's give that person a covering. We could be that covering. The blind, the lame, the lost, the orphan, the needy, and then the ones caught in the snare of sin. All the heart of God. Let me tell you something right now. We cannot be a church that pushes sin out the door. Well, you can't be here because you're a sinner. You've got to do this and this and this to be able to sit in our seats and worship God rebuke that in jesus name and i'll rebuke it to your face if you're one that says that because we need to be a heart for those who are caught in the snare of sin to be allowed to be in this building without judgment persecution or being shunned that sinner should be able to sit right next to any one of us and feel the love of jesus and acceptance it breaks my heart when someone comes to church and says i just didn't feel like i was accepted because of this 
I'll tell you one time I went to, I used to minister in the schools all the time, and we, I had a teenage girl who was pregnant come up to me and says, I've been looking for a youth group, but nobody will take me because I'm pregnant. Would you? This is right at lunchtime at school. So I gave her a hug, and I says, absolutely. And she came the very next week and was there for until she graduated high school. It was a powerful thing. We had another teenage girl that came named Billy who came to our church, and she had a baby, and her baby became our mascot. I mean, I don't mean literally, like we held it up, look at this, we got a baby. No, but that baby, when she came to youth group, we took care of that baby. Our youth leaders would pass around the baby and hold on to her and feed her and change diapers. When we would go on youth events, we'd make sure there was a car with a car seat because that baby would go. We didn't care what anybody thought or said. We loved that girl. We raised that baby. We sent her on a track, and hopefully she still got the, she still got the seed of God in her. But that baby became part of our youth group. Amen? It's important. The ones caught in the snare of sin need to be welcome. <clears throat> so we are supposed to have the heart of God. The 5,000 did not get fed until it was on the heart of the disciples to feed them. God could have fed that 5,000. He could have brought manna from heaven like he did in, in the time of Moses. He could have did that. But he did not feed them until the very 12 that he sent out to go to the villages and returned had a heart to make sure they get fed. Then he just didn't do a miracle. He says, you feed them. So it has to be on our heart. We have to have the heart of God. If we want to grow a church, we need to have the heart for the poor, the fatherless, the widow, the blind, the lame, the lost, the orphan, the needy, the ones caught in the sin. We need to have the heart of God. We need to get over ourselves and get the heart of God. Sometimes we spend too much time debating what church should be like. Well, I like it when it's like this better. I like having a pastor who tucks his shirt in. <laughs> I just lost my train of thought after I said that. But we do. Well, I think we should have brown blinds, not blue blinds. I think it's a little bit too dirty. I think we need to stop doing breakfast because it makes messes under the tables. I think, you know, sometimes we spend too much in ourselves about church. Let me explain some churches where we come together, worship God corporately, and bring in the lost. That's all that matters. And I said it last week, and I'll say it this week. I want to be a people pleaser when it comes to the lost. I want them to be able to come here and feel welcome. I know that's a paradigm shift transformation because there's that, that phrase, you know, well, churches can't be people seeker. We can be seeker friendly and still preach the meat of God. I'll tell you this much. When someone comes over to our house for Thanksgiving, we're cleaning the house. We're cutting the grass, cleaning the house putting on our best faces, dressing a little bit nicer than we normally would because we want our families, when they come over for Thanksgiving, that when they walk in the door, they see the excellence, they're pleased with the clean house, and we still feed the meat. We don't change the meat up. We don't give them tofu. We give them meat. Same thing for church. We need to be seeker-friendly. If sinners come in, we are there and ready. They're pleased with our building. They're pleased with our friendliness. They're pleased with everything, and we give them the meat of God. And we'll see the lives transformed. So how do we transform? That's the key question. How do we get where we need to go? Well, in the next three weeks, you'll be getting those answers. But John 13, 14 is where I want to talk a little bit about it. Because this is where we got to get the Jesus mentality. And this church is definitely good at this part. But we need to get the Jesus mentality. But I'm going to start reading it. If you're not there, it's, it'll be on the wall. But it says, If I then, your Lord and teacher... Have washed your feet. You also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Jesus paved the way. This is how we transform. Is we need to take the mentality of Jesus and walk it out. Jesus was the example of servanthood. Jesus was the example of everything righteous. Jesus was the example that we are to follow. And what's interesting to me is you even bring up a foot washing service, you lose people in the church. You're not washing my feet. Well, Jesus responds to that about just like this. It's like, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part of me. Because he was the servant. He got down there and he washed the feet. We got to have that mentality. 
we need to have the mentality that we'll do whatever it takes to serve the people of God. You are not in church to be served. You're in church to serve. I don't bring people over to my house for Thanksgiving dinner and say, all right, feed me. You're a visitor. Cut my turkey. I like it this thick. Three slices. Don't forget my ranch dressing on the salad. I don't do that. When someone comes to my house, we serve. But we got this mentality now that churches are like schools. Well, we go there to get served. Wrong mentality. If you're part of the redeemed, you're going to be a servant. That's just the way it's going to be. I love what they say. I love the churches that say, you know what? When you're, I love the, to even be a member, people make sure that well, you got to be in ministry somewhere. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because anybody can serve the church. And the reason I'm saying that is not to put everybody on the spot like next week you're doing this. No. I'm saying we've got to have that mentality, that servant heart mentality. It says in um, another, it says in 1 Timothy 5, it says, Well, I reported for good works if she has brought up children, if she has lodged strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has relieved the afflicted, she has diligently followed every good work. I love, I love that because that changed my thinking a little bit because you know what? The Christian experience, you don't get to heaven by good works. Amen? Jesus already did it. Other people will get to heaven from good works. You get, realize that? We don't get to heaven because of our good works. But if we do good works, that will lead other people to Jesus who will get to heaven. People say, well, I don't got to go to church to be a Christian. No. But who else isn't going to church because you don't? Well, I don't have to greet people at the door to go to heaven. Nope. But who's not going to heaven because you're not? It's our good works that will lead people to Jesus to get born again. It is those people that pull up for the first time and they get greeted out there, they get greeted at the door. They get I want people to be tired of shaking hands by the time they get in here. How awesome would that be? And I've been to those churches. Hey, how you doing? Good. Hey, how you doing? Good. It's like a paparazzi line to get to the church. I was like, is this the red carpet? Am I in Hollywood? But the good works will lead people into the kingdom. But there's a balance to have here because churches have got programmed to, well, it's not by works that we get to heaven, but we forget that it's about works that might get someone else to heaven. I don't want to get to heaven just by being born again. I want to get to heaven with a parade behind me. I want to look like the Mitchell family coming to church, getting into heaven, you know what I mean? Like you walk and there's a parade right behind you of everybody, hey, how you doing, hey? Because when they get here, it livens the church up. It's exciting. It does. I'm just saying. You never know what you're going to get when they walk in the door either. <laughs> but it's awesome. And that's what I want to be like when I get to heaven. <clears throat> so we need to practice. So we need to begin by the transformation process. We need to allow what breaks God's heart to break our hearts. We need to stop ignoring the needy. It's like this, like, anytime I go to the Springs, you always find those people with cardboard signs, right? Like, hey, I need to get to California, and I need five bucks. Like, that's going to get you to California. But, you know, those people that have signs. And a lot of times we program ourselves to ignore them because they may probably are liars, right? Well, we, they're probably just trying to they stand there every day, and they make killing. Can I say this? If they're standing there with a sign, whether they have money or not, they're needy. There's some kind of need that person has. There, I mean, there is. You know, and I was skimming through the channels last night, and we came up, um, um, I just watched a, a glimpse I've never saw before, but I watched parts of it with a movie where a guy was doing that. He's holding up a sign, and he's standing there, and people pull up, hey, I saw you yesterday, how you doing? You know, they make a relationship. They're building a relationship now, because he's there every single day. Then he goes and sleeps in the woods and, and, and does that kind of thing. But it was through relationship that delivered that person from the lifestyle he was living. He eventually got a job, cleaned himself up, found purpose, found relationship, transformed his life because someone didn't ignore them. They built relationship with them. We ignore the needy sometimes because we disregard that they have a need. Well, they're making a killing. They don't need our money. No, but what do they need from us? Money is a lure that you put on the hook that might bait someone to get born again. Does that make sense? I just made it up right now. If it didn't make sense, I failed. 
But it is, I mean, imagine that. It's, it's like someone comes here even. And I have a wrestling with this. Like, the, I mean, we're like prime target for people to stop and get money as they travel on by. You know, we get those. I'm not saying don't be wise with our stewards. But why disregard everybody because we think they're liars? Well, they're just scamming us. Well, maybe they are. But why are they doing that? You know, did Jesus ask every single 5,000, hey, are you really hungry because we don't necessarily have enough bread? He didn't go through with the disciples and say, hey, that one's got a lunchbox. Don't feed them. He didn't do that. He fed all of them. And there was leftovers. And what I'm saying is we can't ignore the needy. We, we don't have to be unwise, but why ignore the needy? Because we never know what someone's going to need, what they need. And then we, then <clears throat> we need to practice self-discipline and walk away from self-fulfillment. What this means is we need to be a church that practices self-discipline and stop worrying about what we need all the time, our fulfillment. We need to take our minds off each other. Just bear with me, we're almost done. We need to take our minds off each other and put it on other people. What it means is we cannot be a selfish church. We need to be about the good works of Christ and all the other people that are lost. We can't just be worrying about self-fulfillments. Mark 8, 35, I'll just read it, Chris, don't worry about it, but it says, whoever will lose his life for my sake will find it. Can I say it like this too? Whoever will lose his life for Jesus' sake will find it, and so will other people. You are the burning bush. You are the light of Christ. You are the disciples of Christ. And through yourself laying yourself down is going to lead other people to Jesus. Because if you pick up your cross, follow after Jesus, other people will follow through your example. You need to pick up your cross and follow him. We can't, we got to stop worrying about just our, ourselves and lay our lives down. You don't know who's not getting to heaven because of your lack of commitment to Christ. Imagine who you will lead to Christ when you're fully committed. Let me explain something like this. This is a healthy church. No way around it. This is a healthy church. When I talk to my pastor in Michigan, I never have a complaint. This is a healthy church. So imagine if we take a step forward. If we're this healthy now, imagine if we transform ourselves and transform the church, how healthy will we be? We'll be a lighthouse for Colorado. There's only one way to go, and that's up from here. There's no way. We're not going back. We're not staying the same, so we have to explode. But imagine if all of us had one accord. I believe we broke through a gate. Okay? I believe it was leadership with me that broke through the gate. Now to get through this, to the new spot, to the new gate, we as a church need to come together and swing the hammer and break through. Amen? Stay with me. We're almost done. We need to walk, live, and speak in the true scriptures. The gospel needs to come alive in and through us. The good news is a social revolution. I love that. Because revolution, the definition of revolution is activity or movement designed to affect fundamental changes in the, in the socioeconomic situation. Just a blurred word. Look it up in the dictionary if you want to know what it means. But basically, it's about a change. And the, and the good news is a social revolution. We need to get back to the day of Pentecost where everybody was so excited about the good news, they shared it with everybody. It would only take three hours to go and share everybody with Kit Carson. But we need to leave here like a, like, uh, it's a bad example, we need to leave here like a plague and just sweep the county with the good news of Jesus Christ. We are the most unchurched church place there is. Now, that means is that we had a perfect example of it the other day is it's simply people that go to church and don't live any different through the week. So that means just because they go to church doesn't mean they don't need the good news of Jesus Christ. They need the true, fundamental transformation of Jesus Christ, and they've got to see it through us. The gospel changes everything, and the gospel lives in us. We need to stop waiting for the green light and, or, and just go. God... Jesus Christ already gave us the green light. It's time to move forward and break through. We sit around sometimes thinking, well, I'm just waiting for the Lord to tell me what to do. Where do I fit? Well, I'll tell you where you fit. Jesus says, go baptize everybody in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit throughout all nations. That means you. He looked at disciples and says, you feed them. Quit looking to me for everything. 
There's even one point where, where Jesus looks at the disciples and says, how long am I going to have to deal with you? Can you imagine being a disciple? They're like, I, I don't know. Hopefully a while, <laughs> you know. But he's just like, look, man up. Do what I called you to do. Go out. And that's what he's saying to all of us. You know, we're praying, Lord, bring the multitude. Lord, bring them in. Holy Spirit, go get them. Shake them out of their sleep and say, come to church. And Jesus up there is basically praying to the Father, man, I wish they'd go. I wish they'd just go do what they're supposed to do. We gave them a book. We gave them a blueprint. Tells them what to do. Go and do it. I guarantee you guys, if you will grasp this, it's basic stuff, but if you grasp it, it will transform this church overnight. I guarantee you it. And I, that's why I'm saying come to this series because I guarantee you this series will transform you and this church and everybody around here. This is the breaking point right now. We're at the tipping point. I believe this fall is going to be a big fall for us. We need to be ready. What that means is we've got to have people greeting. Thanks, Doug. We need to have people um, taking attendance. We need to have people doing their jobs. So when the people come, we are ready for them. Nobody, nobody wakes up the day of harvest, do they, Irvin, and say, well, I guess we should get the equipment ready. You lose some wheat, I'm guessing. You prepare before the harvest. That's where we're at. We're at the preparation for the harvest right now. So we need to prepare. But guess what? You're the equipment. You guys are the rusty combines. Pour some oil on you and grease you up and get ready to roll. <laughs> okay? We need to stop just edif This is important right here. I love this point. We need to... We need to we need to just stop edifying our belief in this Bible, okay? We put so much, we like hold it up, I believe in the Word of God. We need to stop edifying it so much and start obeying it. There's a difference between believing in the Word of God and obeying the Word of God. We'll stop doing our, you know, we'll start going to church every week and singing hymns. Well, we don't sing hymns here. Sorry, Howard. <laughs> you know? We, we, we sing songs, we raise our hands, we believe in the Word of God, we do our little Bible studies with Christians, and we don't always obey the Scriptures. Can I tell you this much? If you're not obeying the part that says go out, you're not obeying the Word of God. It's great to have Bible studies and edify each other, sure. But where are we winning lost? I used to have my teenagers, Larry, I used to have my teenagers hold a Bible study at lunchtime in all my schools, and, and we've got unbelievers there. What happened is the, uh, the teenagers that didn't have Jesus showed up to the Bible study, got to know us, got comfortable, then they'd show up to youth group. And I'm telling you something, by the time they got primed at school and got to our youth group, they were born again before worship ever got over. A Bible study to just to edify other believers is great, but man, let's open it up to the sinners. I think by fall we should have a community um, group in each town that's the redeemed. We should have one in Eads and Shine Wells and Kit Carson every single week. Have a community group where we're studying the Word of God and studying the message that I'm preaching and get unbelievers there. Have some food together. Have some fellowship. I guarantee you, you'll get people that don't go to church. You'll get people that don't have Jesus. They'll get born again, and that will grow our church. It's like having satellite churches. Sounds scriptural, doesn't it? But here's what's funny. Is it always sounds good until it comes to us doing it. Sounds good. Who's going to do it? You know, ain't that what we pay you for, Pastor? Absolutely not. It's easier to write checks than it is to actually work. <laughs> you know, we'll pay the youth pastor, we'll pay the pastor. What do we got to do? You're, you're, we pay you. And people are like, okay, we're going to write a letter to the board. Take his pay. First John 2.6 says, if you call yourselves Jesus' disciples, you must walk as he did. You know what's amazing to me? And, and this is for me, too. I'm a very comfortable guy. I like comfort. That's why I didn't want to come here, because I thought I'd be uncomfortable. You know, I like comfort. I like what's familiar. But Jesus didn't even know where he was going to lay his head. He even said that to a guy. Hey, I want to follow you. Well, you know, it's not easy following me. I don't know. I don't have a home. I don't have any money. I sleep on rocks. I gave up everything. Do you still want to follow me? And you're like, never mind. I thought you had, like, a Ritz and a limo, at least a bus. 
You know what I mean? And that's the way we are as Christians too. Jesus says, go out. But we're like, well, I'll go where I'm comfortable. I dare you this, if that makes sense. Wake up tomorrow and say, Lord Jesus, where do you want me to go today? Who do you want me to talk to today? And then be obedient. And I guarantee you it's going to be way out of your comfort zone. Because you guys realize when, the, when, when they wrote the scriptures, when God spoke to everybody about what to write in the Bible, he didn't write it according to our comfort zone. You know, and Jesus said to his disciples, I don't really care if you're comfortable. This is about the word of God. And let me explain something to you guys. There's so many people dying and going to hell. There's over 100,000 people that die every day. No, even more than that. I can't remember the stat. I got it somewhere. That are go to hell because there's Christians that stay comfortable and don't go out of their comfort zone to lead people to Christ. And that's sad. I think it's awesome that by the end of the month of August, we'll have baptized over 20 people since we've been here. Great news. You know what? Next year, I want, tw- I want 40, if not more. As a matter of fact, I want more people baptized next year than are sitting in the seats today. Because time is short. Jesus is coming back. And I'll tell you this much. When he harvests through, I want him to find no unbelievers in this county. I want him to say, wow, the redeemed did the scriptures. I don't have anybody that's going to hell from this area. That, is a, that, that should be at the forefront of our minds. Hell is real. I'm excited to get that topic because hell is real and we need to have a grasp that it's real and we need to start prioritizing it. Stop worrying about our bills and our health and our clothes and everything else that we got going on and start worrying about the loss because when you get to heaven, Jesus isn't going to say, what kind of clothes did you wear? He's not going to say, how much harvest did you bring in in your farms? He's not going to say, how many trophies did you win as a teenager? He's not going to say all these things. He's going to say, did you lead people to the Lord? Did you fulfill scripture? Time is short. We've got to prioritize this stuff. It's time to transform our church. The only way to do it is if we all walk as he did. 1 John 2, 6 says, if you call yourselves Jesus, oh, I already heard that. I put it in here twice. Must have been important. <laughs> if you call yourselves Jesus' disciples, you must walk as he did. So walk as he did. Again, it is about us going and doing. We need to walk in humility. Galatians 5, 13 says this. Wow, you're, good job, Chris. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. We sang about that today. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Galatians 5.13. Powerful stuff right there. That is saying right there, do not take freedom or grace for granted. Churches take grace for granted. Oh, it's okay, I messed up. I've got grace. Praise God. He says, do not use grace to indulge yourselves, but go out and lead people to the Lord. Use your freedom to get other people's freedom. Imagine those POWs that escape and leave everybody else behind. We need to go act on this. We know what? We're free. We were in bondage. We were under that, 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 those fangs of sin that we talked about earlier. We were, we were engulfed in sin. We got freedom through the redemption of Jesus Christ, and now we need to go get other people and find them and lead them to the Lord so they can have the same freedom. This church is going to grow because freedom, people in freedom are going to lead people into freedom. That's what's going to grow it. We cannot go days without leading anybody to the Lord. We need to be active in it. Pursue it. The truth of the matter is, is I know there's a lot going on in our lives, but when we have an outreach program, there should be more people there than we can put to work. That's the truth. I praise God for Howard and Melody because they brought their teens over to help us. If they didn't, we would have suffocated and died. And then Jeff and Karen came the next day, helped us out great. We had great help, don't get me wrong. But I'm telling you this much, is that when we have an outreach program, our church should be so hungry to lead to people to the Lord that we have more people than we can put to work. Richard brought me an uh, energy drink, saved my life. Sherry cut little papers that saved our lives, too. I mean, it did. Cutting papers was no fun. We were so busy, it's unreal, because people were there, and they got the love of God. That's outreach. That's going to preach. That preaches more than my messages. That right there will lead people to the Lord quicker than if they sat in these seats and heard me preach. 
Because they want the real deal. They want to know a church loves this community. They don't want no church that just thinks the community's dying. No, we may be a shrinking population now, but we're going to grow in the name of Jesus. Why do I know that? Because God brought us here. He didn't bring us here for no reason. He brought us here to explode the kingdom of God. So we need to stop indulging the flesh and serve one another humbly. I'll tell you something. I do not relate great with kids. <laughs> I don't relate great to kids. I'm talking to these kids. You know, these kids that come up to me and go, I want to play this game. I want to play this game. Yeah. Where's my ticket? Get my ticket. <laughs> you know, one kid is so funny. I laughed at his dad because I, I, the one day we were so busy, literally me, Lori, and Karen Norquist, and, and Sherry was there. I can't remember everybody was there. And Shanda, praise God for Shanda. That first day was great. And Truett was there to help set up, bless me. But I'll tell you this much is we were busy, weren't we? We were running from game to game. We didn't have all the games manned. And people were like, where's my ticket? I mean, kids will churn on you. You understand? They will destroy you. There's more than them than us. You know, and, and so I'm at the bottle toss game where 100 some degree weather. They're throwing. Knocks down the bottles. I pick them up. They throw it, knock it down. It's almost like, stop knocking them down. I'm tired. I'm bald and I'm sweating and burning and I'm dehydrated as can be. I'm seeing like three elephants walking through and they weren't there. I mean, I'm hallucinating. I, I exaggerate for effect a lot. You'll get used to it. Point being, though, is one kid came up. He went to a ticket, found out you needed six tickets for a certain price. Came back, threw the beanbag, knocked down the bottles. I pick it up and he goes, I want six tickets. I'm like, you get one. <laughs> Get back in line and try it five more times, you know. But I don't relate good to kids. So what that was for me, that was humble. That was humility for me. That was humility for me to give up two days where I could have been doing other things to love kids. <laughs> that it's hard for me to love. <laughs> okay? It was the same as washing feet. I mean, I got down I loved them. I took pictures of the face painting. We set up the tent, tore it down. We worked because for me that was humility. It's easy for me to minister to adults and teenagers because that's what I'm used to. What I'm saying is it's out of comfort zone, guys. And for you to build the kingdom of God, it will be out of your comfort zone. I got four kids alone that I have to deal with all those other kids. But we love them. And that's what God is asking for us. You know what? Stop indulging yourself and serve humbly. Again, we are not our own. We are God's and must live accordingly. If you have Jesus Christ in your heart, you're now God's. Act like it. Do what he's called you to do. Go, you don't sign up for the military and do whatever you want. You get killed by your people. We need to not wrestle with God about our purpose in him. If you are breathing with a heart beat, you have a purpose to walk in. Do it and you'll have peace. Let me explain something that excites me. If you have a heartbeat, you have a purpose. All these teenagers right here, I go to Howard Melody's on Wednesday mornings at 10. It's really the highlight of my week. It really is, because you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> Kangaroos bounce by. And no, actually, I, I enjoy it. I love these teenagers here. I love talking to them. I go there for a couple hours, and it goes by like that, because I can talk to them. And Howard always sheds his light on stuff, and I shed my light, and we do good, don't we, Howard? It's a lot of fun. But the reason I do it is because all these teenagers right here, well, you're not there. I was like, did you get another kid? Nope. But anyways, these kids right here all have a purpose. It doesn't matter what situation they grew up with. They have a heartbeat. They have a purpose. And it's worth me investing my time to make sure they define it and walk in it. I'll bleed to make sure they walk in their purpose. And sometimes when you walk in the house, you never know. You might walk out bleeding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but can I say something? Because Lori and I are dedicated to this church. Daniel and Jeremy are going overseas tomorrow that's walking that's walking in a purpose jeremy's saying you know what i don't care where i came from i don't care what anybody else has said about me i see what scott has been preaching about jesus christ and i'm going to go walk in it is he perfect absolutely not but he's redeemed by blood of jesus christ and he's here every week and he's learning he's hungry and he's saying it's not enough i want to go out and he's going out that's a purpose. If you have a heartbeat, you have a purpose. It's not just them. You have one. It doesn't matter what anybody else has ever said about you. You have a purpose. And it's time that you activate it and walk in it and grow this church in it. 
Stetson's a teenager, or Stetson. Truett's a, whatever. Truett's a teenager, but he was there to set up for us. And that sounds weird, but that really blessed me to see a teenager as they're willing to set up. And he says, hey, I'll come back if you need. I didn't see him come back, but he offered. <laughs> as a matter of fact, I didn't see him leave. I just turned around, he's gone. <laughs> I'm like, well, we took. But you know what? He was there, and he set up the tent. If he wasn't there, I don't know what we would have done because it was just, Lord, you know, the ladies. I could have stood back and said, all right, Lori and Shanda, lift up the tent. Let's put the legs on her. Get moving. But he was there. Heartbeat purpose. If any of those teens get born again, if any of those families join our church, Truett has a piece of that in the kingdom of God because he's there with a humble heart. We have to have that. We have to have that. If you have a heartbeat, you got it. Why did God choose Mary? This is where I'm going to wrap up. I didn't mean to go this long. I apologize. Some of you guys are like, when don't you go this long? That's what some of you guys are saying. Why did Mary choose, or why did Jesus choose Mary? Why did God the Father choose Mary? I'll get it right one of these times. Think about what happened in that moment. God, an angel came to Mary while she was sleeping and woke her up. A lot of us ignore that, don't we? God's like, hey, wake up. We're like, and roll over. Like he's going to leave. But God wakes her up. Angel wakes her up and says, you know what, Mary? And gave her an improbable task. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and impregnate you with the very Son of God. Sounds pretty weird. I mean, think about that. All the prophecies for hundreds of years before is now being told to her that you're the one that's going to carry the Son of God. She's like, why don't you be with a man? It's impossible. Just like feeding 5,000. God says, just do it and it'll happen. So what does she say? How does she respond? I am the Lord's servant. I will do what he needs me to do. She didn't say, too big, can't do it. I'll be stoned and killed for being pregnant without being married. Holy Spirit can't impregnate me. That's just weird. But yet, she says, I'm the Lord's servant. I'll do with what I need to do. The way the church will transform is the people in the seats will say, you know what, God, I'm your servant. I'll do what you need me to do. But what we do say is, Lord, I am yours. We'll do what we need to do. And then when he tells you to do it, you're like, that's ah, too much. Can we back it up a little bit? But no. The way this church is going to transform is by my leaders, which is all of you, step it up and say, I'm going to do what God has asked me to do. And I guarantee you, in the next two months, we will see. You want to know why I believe this? You want to know how much I believe in this, that we're going to grow in the next few months? Is I am not going to Guatemala. I'm probably not going to Russia. Because I don't see a need for me to do those things when I have teams doing them. But I believe here, we're going to explode. That's how much I believe in it. I love mission trips, but that's how much I believe in it. So I'm sticking behind to make sure we do what God needs us to do and we push forward and explode. It's going to take you guys. It's going to take me. Amen? When we humble and surrender our lives to the plan of God, nothing is impossible through us. Nothing is impossible through us. So do me this favor and let's, let's just pray for a few minutes. Let's turn over to prayer for a few minutes. Chris, can you just strum something? I don't need any vocals, but can you just strum something for me? I want to pray for a few minutes because maybe you're someone in this room that you don't quite know how to even tell what your purpose is. And that's a big thing because I'm saying a lot of things, whether you're a preacher, teacher, healer, janitor, curriculum writer, whatever. It's hard sometimes to find and define your purpose. But today I'm going to pray and I want to give you two examples of a purpose. One is you got purposes that you're created with. You're born into it. Okay? Chris is a great guitar player. He learned how to do it. He wasn't born with a guitar in his hand. But yet, Edie back there could paint a great face painting that I've never even thought would be possible. That's a talent she was born with. Artistic. Born with it. Let me explain something. God gave you those for a reason. So you can use those for the kingdom of God. 
There's some people who are born athletic. There's some people who are born to able to draw great paintings, but yet they're using them for no other purpose but their own indulgence. But then there's those people that use it for the kingdom of God. Like there's a seven-year-old that watched on YouTube that gets dreams of heaven and she paints them. And it looks perfect. I mean, it looks like you went to heaven yourself. That's a talent she was born with and she's using it for the kingdom of God. Does that make sense? Then there's those gifts that are given to you and those, those purposes that are given to you when you get filled with the Holy Spirit and born again. They grow in you. First off, when you get, ho- when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, it enhances those gifts that were given to you at birth. Then it gives you new ones, new gifts, new purposes. So, for example, when you got filled with the Holy Spirit, that enhances the artistic gift. When Chris got filled with the Holy Spirit just a few weeks ago, it exp- enhanced his gift, and some of you guys have noticed it. He's no longer just playing. Now he's singing and playing without a mic, but he's singing. You notice that? It enhances our worship service because the Spirit filled him and it enhanced the gift. Some of you guys just need that. You need the Holy Spirit to fill you so it'll enhance your gifts. But then there's, when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, then it gives you new gifts as well. I was not a preacher until I was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then you couldn't shut me up. So when we're praying for you today, we're going to pray for a few minutes. When you have a, and I want you guys to pray. Lord, what can I do for the redeemed for your kingdom? Some of you guys are just trying to go to your church. Yes. There's nothing wrong with using your gifts for the redeemed. I'll tell you that right now. But what can you do to enhance the kingdom of God? What can you do to expand and reach the lost? How can you use your gifts for that? Well, let's ask the Lord about it and put it to prayer. And you'll, it's amazing. I think what would be great is when I'm preaching a series that there's, there's someone painted a painting that has to do with my series, and then we give it to someone at the end of the series. I want, I want a t-shirt for every series. Someone could design the graphics for the t-shirt. I think it would be awesome. I was telling Lori, I saw it in my head when we preached. I can't wait to get to where we talk about marriage for a while. But imagine making a t-shirt that says, I learned how to have a hot marriage at the redeemed. And then we gave it out to people when the series is over and they're in the community. And people are like, really? Do you not think that would witness when someone sees you learn how to have a, my marriage is struggling. Where are they going to go look for it? They could pay tons of money to go to a marriage counselor that's not born again and get nothing, or they can go to the redeemed and learn how to have a hot marriage. You see what I'm saying? But those, those are talents that some of you in there could say, you know what, I can design your t-shirts for you. Praise God. You know what, I could paint a painting to do with Transforming Church, and we can give it away or sell it on eBay, and who knows what. There's things that we can do that will open our minds to what can we do to grow the kingdom. You know what, Scott? I think I love to cook. You know what we could do is we could have a soup kitchen once a month here at the Redeemed so people that can't afford food can come in and have a meal. You know what? It works. I know a church that grew to 600 just by doing that right there. There's things that we can do that expands the minds. Churches are not just about hymn books and pews and preaching and teaching. It's about meeting the needs of people. How can we do that through you? That's what we need to find out. Amen? So let's pray for a few minutes. Father God, I just thank you for who you are. King of kings, Lord of lords. You're a mighty God. I love what you're doing at the redeemed. It excites me to my bones, Lord. And I pray right now, Lord, that everybody in this room will be excited. That it won't just be about what Lori and I have a vision for, but they're grasping it. They're ready. They want to run with it. So I pray right now, Lord God, that you will talk to them about their purpose. You will talk to them about what they can do to help enhance the kingdom of God. Lord, I do not want any bystanders. I don't want bench warmers. I want to put everybody in the game, Lord. I want everybody to be able to, to, to reach the lost. I want them to help meet the needs. I want them to love the people. I want them to fulfill the scriptures, transforming church in Jesus' name. I believe with all my heart, rule America is a heart of you. I believe with all my heart you call Lori and I here for one reason, to explode the kingdom of God here where everybody else looks around and sees death. You see life, and I speak that life to this area right now in Jesus' name. I speak it over Kit Carson, Eads, Shine Wells, Burlington, Arapahoe, everywhere and around us, Lord God. I speak life to Lamar. I speak businesses to this, pop, this lowly populated area, Lord God. I believe you're going to bring families and businesses. The school district's going to thrive in Jesus' name. I speak life, but I also believe that you're up there saying, 
go take the life. Go to the schools. Go to the businesses. Be an entrepreneur. I believe you're just up there saying, go, go, go. The time is now. The light is green. Go for it. And I know with all my heart, Lord God, as we take steps forward, you're going to take steps forward as well, Lord God. You're not going to pass us by. You're not going to forget about your promises. The promises are now. With all my heart, I believe right now, Lord, the prophecies over the last 20 years over this church are coming to pass this season. This season. But I believe with all my heart, Lord God, the prophecies are to manifest and to walk and to talk through us. We are your hands. We are your feet. We are your voice pieces. We are your heartbeat. And I pray, Lord God, wherever we go, whether it's Mary's Market, the grocery store in other towns, the movie theater, wherever we go, Lord God, I pray people will hear your heartbeat. They'll see your love. They'll feel your love. They'll feel your presence. They will want you through us, Lord. Let us be the example. Let us be the burning bush. Let us be just like the 12. You said, go out and take nothing for yourselves. Just go. Let us not be selfish. Let us not indulge ourselves with fleshly desires, but let us practice self-discipline and obey the scriptures and just go. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now I believe with all my heart, with all my heart, the Lord is speaking to some of you. He's telling you what you can do. He's giving you ideas. And over the next week or so, call me. Talk to Lori and I. None of you are without a purpose. And I'll tell you this much. None of you in this room, all of you in this room are part of this church. All of you. And this may be a process for you as you develop your purpose or but what I'm saying to you is it doesn't matter. I don't care if you're someone says, you know what, Scott? I will make coffee on Sunday mornings. Praise God. I will let you. It doesn't have to be big or small when it's done with a pure heart. Amen? Amen. 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 God's going to do something mighty for you guys. I promise you this. The season is now. I tell you what, I don't stand up here and see a small, medium-sized church. I see a large church. I want you to know, last week, this is exciting for you, last week, just, just stay there for a, for a second, but last week, we went from the small church, because we had over 70 attendants last week. You know what that means? We went from the small church to the medium church. We took the transference, okay? Now, we're going to go large. Amen? And that's a praise God. You need to be excited about that. Some of you guys are too tired from my teaching. I understand. You're glazed over. You're done. I get it. But right now what we're going to do is continue on in worship with our offerings. And the, and the reason we're doing that right now at the end is, is I like it at the end. But one thing I want you guys to understand is everything we said today. Just hold it there and remind me in a second. Everything we said today, we're transforming, guys. We are. And I'm just going to be real with you. As a church... Now, I want you guys to know, what, whatever you guys have done in the last 20 years doesn't matter anymore. We're in a new season. We're growing. We spend money. You know why we spend money? Because we're spending most of our money on um, reaching out. We spend money on reaching out. We actually, we, for the first time in who knows how long, or ever, we have a full staff. Because I believe we need a full staff. We have a youth pastors, Larry and Carla, who are working as youth pastors. And they don't do it for free. We bless them because they're going to grow our youth ministry. By this time next year, we're going to have a bigger youth ministry than I ever had in Michigan. I promise you that. We spent over 1000 About $1,000 for Shine, Fair, Shine Wells Fair. For prizes, games, the tent we rented. We reached out. So I'm telling you this to say this is we spend money. I'm not ashamed to say it. Now, if we were like putting a jacuzzi in here or, you know, oh, well, you know, that may come later. I'm not going to say nothing because I might burn myself. We spend money on building the kingdom. 
So what I'm saying to you is this, is we really as a church now, as of right now where we're at today, because we're growing, we really need to function on 10000 a month to keep going where we're going. Now, I'm not a preacher that just goes out. I don't ever like preaching about money. I like preaching prosperity but not asking for money. The reason I'm saying this is because we are growing. There's no slowing it down. There's no stopping it. God's doing something. He's going to do it. And it costs money to build the kingdom of God. So what I'm saying is we, need, we don't function on it right now, but we need to function on about $10,000 a month to be able to reach out and grow the way we're growing. But I also know what Scripture says, and I love what Scripture says. I say it all the time. But God says in Scripture, Paul wrote it, that there will be all sufficient funds for every good work. I confess that. How many of you guys believe the redeemed is a good work? The truth of the matter is, there's nobody in this county that should not think the same thing because we're blessing them. And so what I'm saying is, is if we're a good work, now let me explain like this, is when you sow seed, when you sow seed, you don't sow it on bad ground, do you? It takes a lot of work. You wouldn't go out there and throw a seed on the sidewalk and come next week wondering, why is nothing growing? But when you sow in the good seed, I believe God's blessings upon you is enhanced. And when you sow good seed on good soil, your blessings is enhanced. The redeems a good work. We're growing. We're thriving. So as you give your fun, uh, tithes and offerings, I want you to think about one thing. Church will be blessed. You'll be blessed. It's a perfect formula. Church will be blessed. You'll be blessed. We actually prayed this morning that all of your cupboards will be full. You'll have more than enough clothing and, and food and things to meet your family's needs. Because I believe God's going to bless you. Amen? So if you have your offerings, I'm going to bless it. I need a couple ushers, Jeremy and Scott. You can contact the Church of the Redeemed at P.O. Box 101, Kit Carson, Colorado, 80825, or you can call the church office at 719-962-3363. And thank you for listening to the CD. God bless.